Ready? We are in Paragvav. So page 60, yeah. Vav, Pasuk? Aleph, brand new parak. Remember we just finished the writing on the wall, the message that uh, was given to Belshazzar, who then died later that night. And now we're about to begin one of the most famous stories, I'd say, in all of Tanakh, in all of Nach at least. The story of Daniel in the lion's den. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the what with the lions. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Pasuk Aleph. Vidar Yovesh Madoa Kabel Malchusa. So remember, we ended off last time saying that Belshazzar, who was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, he got killed, or he died in his sleep. So now the kingdom is passed on to Daryavesh. Daryavesh was Madai. So here we have a transfer of, remember there's, there's four nations that, that um, put the Jewish people in exile throughout our history. We were just dealing with Babylon, and now we're, we're transitioning over from Babylon to Media, to, to Persia and Madai, to Parasu Madai. Getting close to Purim. Getting very close to Purim. Actually very close to Purim, because this Daryavesh's name was actually Daryavesh ben Achashverosh. Not our Achashverosh in the Purim story, but some say that this was actually the Achashverosh in the Purim story's father. So Daryavish was one generation off of the, the Achashverosh in the Purim story, exactly. So he received the Malchus, he received the king, the kingdom, Kivarshnin Shitin Visartin, at the age of 62 years old. So why is this relevant? I mean, why do we care how old um, Daryavish was when he, when he received the Malchus? So the Chazal tell us a fascinating thing. When Nebuchadnezzar entered the Heichel to destroy the Beis HaMikdash, that was 62 years prior to Daryavish. So Daryavish, who ultimately was going to be the one to vanquish the kingdom from, from Bavel, this is going to be the end of, of the Malchus Bavel, Daryavish is going to be that kingdom, he was the Sitnoi, he was the one who was going to actually overthrow um, the, the, this world power called Babylon, called Bavel. Daryavish was born on the, at the time that Nebuchadnezzar was entering the Beis HaMikdash. So if we hadn't been told he's 62 years old, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have been able to figure that out. The fact that he's 62 allows us to, to you know, calculate exactly how many years ago the Bixen Minish was destroyed. And we could realize that it was 62 years, right, we had um, 20, we go through the calculation, we had 20, I think we had 23 years of Evel Mirodech, who came after Nebuchadnezzar, um, and two years of Belshazzar, and we had 30-something of Nebuchadnezzar, of it equals 62 years. So, or 28 something, 28 I think of Nebuchadnezzar equals 62 years. So Hashem, even though Nebuchadnezzar was unpunished really, and his kingdom lasted, and Bav, Malchus Bavel, the kingdom of Bavel, lasted for, for 62 years, ultimately is as he was committing his sin of entering the Beis HaMikdash and destroying it, that's exactly when his, uh, the, the one who's going to take him over was uh, being born. It's a fascinating thing, you see just the intricacy of the detail that Hashem pays to the world. That as Nebuchadnezzar, who's going to be this king for a long time, and Bavel, he's the, he's, he represents Malchus Bavel, which is going to be the, the world power, as he's doing his act of assuming the leadership, he's also setting the stage for his downfall and for the transference of the, of the kingdom to Madai, to Daryavish.
Huh? Who wrote the Sefer? Who wrote the Sefer? Um, I believe, was it Shmuel or was it Daniel? Dan- it wasn't Daniel. Shmuel would have already been gone. Shmuel's gone. Who did we say wrote it? Ezra. Was it Ezra? Let's see if it says in the beginning. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it was Ezra. Ezra? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, Some Jew. The same person. Ezra? We talked about this in a minute. Again, I feel like we did talk about it, yeah. I believe we said it was Ezra. It was the same person that gave us the song. One that was the king of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and the girl. And what Broadway shows that from? What Broadway shows that from? Alright. With the show. Alright, let's keep going. Okay, pausing base. Shifar Kodom. Yeah, pausing base. Shifar Kodom Daryovish. It pleased Darius, page 62. Parakvav, pausing base. So we just say Daryovish, Darius, he took over as the king representing the kingdom of Modai. Media, so it appeared uh, it was appropriate in the eyes of Daryavish the Hakim Al Malchusa he established over his kingdom. Laachstar Pnaya Meov Esrin, 120. They translated as satraps. We've gone through this. Sorry, I think looked it up for us once even. Like officers, yeah, 120 officers. Um, Daryavish appointed over his kingdom that they should uh, be throughout his kingdom how many provinces did Ahasuerus have? 127 he appointed how many? 120 Chazal infer from here that the kingdom of Daryavish did not span uh, the entirety of the world exactly he was short 7 Ahasuerus conquered those last 7 but Daryavish was lacking them that's so, interesting because this is the, the whole form story is at the, end, at the end of the conquest of Sparta. Yeah. The conquest of what? Sparta. So uh, what is that? The, the, yeah. the, the, the beginning of the beginning when when the Purim story opens. This according to MLS, when the Purim story opens, it starts with the with this giant party for mm-hmm. six months, and that was at the point where he conquered the entire world. Mm-hmm. Sparta was the was the, the, the last holdout. Yeah, the whole story of the three hundred. The 300 mighty warriors of Sparta were the last warriors to fight against the Persians before they before the Purim story. That was the part, the celebration of that destruction. Mm-hmm. At, least that, that's, at least that's what I've heard. And that's, you know, from the Mayam Yeah, but it was, it was extrapolated from the Mayam So this is here, this is before then, he only had 120. History's a very fascinating thing. <laughs> Okay, so he did this because, Daryavish did this because he was too old to really rule the entire world by himself, or all of his kingdom by himself. So he wanted to ensure that he would have as easy of a job as possible. So he appointed these 120 officers to be in charge of everything that went on in his provinces. But he wasn't done yet. Pasekimul. Ve'elo minhoin. And on top of those 120 Achashtar Penaya, those satraps, those officers, he appointed three more higher ranking officials over those 120. 
And guess who was one of them? Di Daniel Khan Minoim, of whom Daniel was one of. Our hero. Our hero. That these ruler, these officers, Yehovin Lahin Tama, they should, uh, they should, you know, uh, what's it called? They should come to him to tell him the ongoings of the provinces. They should report to him. And by doing so, this would prevent the king from uh, being harmed. Basically, you know, it was too much work for him, it was too much stress, it was too much labor. So he set up this system to, uh, to ensure that all the information would slowly be, uh, you know, you have these 120 officials who are going to transmit the information all to these three higher-ranking officials, Daniel amongst them, and then only from those three officials would the king hear what's going on in the, in the world, in his province, in his, in his kingdom, and from there he would make his decisions. Darius Belshazzar's son. Um, no, this is we've moved on from Bavel to Madai, uh-huh. so it was a very quick change. Yeah, quick change. Belshazzar just died, and Daryavish was the son of somebody called Achashverosh. He was killed. Yeah, Daryavish was the son of Achashverosh, but not our Achashverosh, his Ahasuerus, grandfather. Achashverosh was like basically the king, uh, just a king's title for like Pharaoh's title. For I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Was Achashverosh just a title? That's that's, that's, that's God's thing. Yeah. Uh huh. It seems to be that it's just the, the Persian per- title for the for the Melech. That wasn't his real name. His real name was Tom. Tom. Dick or Harry. Tom, <laughs> Tom Dick, and Harry. Everyone. It's called, they're having a personality contest. Yeah, exactly. All of them. More identity crisis. I don't know. Okay. Okay, Pasuk Dalit. Like, just like Paro Mitzrayim. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that was just like a... Title. It was a title, title. yeah. It's good to be poor times time to review the memoirs. Pause at verse four. Dila Hevain. So, what, um, what was the purpose of this of this uh, setup? Edian, oh, so that the king shouldn't be harmed. Yeah, pause at Edian, Edayin. So then, Daniel did not. Daniel, our Daniel, our Daniel. Who said that? I think you said that, right? The Navi says the same thing. This Daniel, this is our Daniel, who we've been talking about. Have a misnatzach. He was, he stood out. Over all these other advisors. He had the 120 advising to the three, to the, to the big three, and the big three then passing it on to the king. Daniel showed, he stood out over, over everyone. Because he had this extra spirit within him, the Ruach of Hashem. So the king, Daryavish, wanted to appoint Daniel in a more prominent position. And to almost give him the kingship, it sounds like. I don't know about actually making him the king. Yeah, well, he wanted to, yeah. He wanted to make him the highest ranking official official under him. So this obviously... He wanted to make Daniel the highest official? The what? Yeah. yeah. So this obviously did not... Um, bo- this did not uh, the, yeah, sit well with the other officials. They did not like this. Plus, okay. Edayin. Then. Sarchayov Achshtar Penaya. Some of these words are tongue twisters. You know, the, you have to lay in the Megillah a bunch of years to be able to just ramble off the Achshtar Penaya every single time. Right. Achshtar Penaya. Yeah, so the, these uh, officials have a boy in Aila. They wanted to find some sort of dirt on him. You know, they wanted to find some sort of 
some sort of um, you know negative information that they could use to to uh, to to basically ruin his reputation. They wanted to tell the king that Daniel is not befitting to be the to be the highest ranking official because he's a horrible person. That's what they were hoping to find. They were hoping to uncover some good info. Yeah, they couldn't find anything. They examined his his official life, you know, the life his professional life. They were unsuccessful. Yeah, uh, hey, we're in hey. Okay. Because they found it to be totally clean of any corruption. He never accepted bribes. He was, you know, he passed every test. They were trying desperately to... Quintessentially. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Unfortunately, in, in politics of today, I think it doesn't require much to uncover some dirt. Right? But they, they had a really hard time finding anything wrong with Daniel. Um, and not only that, they didn't stop at his professional world. They couldn't find anything. They even looked into his private life. They tried to find just something that Daniel was doing wrong, but they were not able to find anything. And, uh, and that was frustrating for them. Because again, they were trying to in- ensure that Daniel would not be appointed as the leading official. Right? So they wanted to make him look bad. So listen to what they did. This is amazing. They, they, they knew what they were doing, these guys. Listen to this. Then, these, these officials went and they said, They couldn't find for Daniel, they couldn't find anything. So they couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel. Let's try to find something wrong with his God. Meaning, obviously, Judaism does not line up so nicely, does not match up so nicely with Persia and Median uh, society and their beliefs. So they're saying, fine, so we can't, we can't find anything wrong with the person Daniel, but let's find something wrong that doesn't match up with our belief and expose that, and thereby bring him down that way. Okay. Pasuk Zion. Now up to seven. Yeah, verse seven. Pasuk Zion. Edayin, Edayin, which means then Edayin, Sarchayov Ach Bachdar Penayo, Elaine, this group of officials. Hirkishu al Malka. They assembled in front of the king. Now they had a very specific um, intent here. Agenda. Yeah, they were looking for a specific effect also. They wanted to come with a great assembly. There should be a great amount of people in front of the king. So the king should kind of feel pressured to first of all not think things through so well. There's a lot of people who were making this request of him. And also he shouldn't notice who exactly was there and who exactly wasn't there. This is basically his entire government. His body. Exactly. There was one obvious missing person and that was Daniel but they did it in such a way that, that he didn't notice that Daniel wasn't there so you had the 120 officials and two of the three leading officials minus Daniel they were all there um, congregated in front of the king so they said that should have been a warning sign right there what? that should have been a warning sign right there well that's I mean that's what that was the, that's what you say to the king now Daniel's going to say that even later. Uh, that was like the proper expression you say to the king. They say the king Daryavesh should live forever. And they, they said as follows. All the, uh, all the leaders and the officials of your kingdom are gathered here. Singaya Vahtar Penaya, all the different kinds of leaders, Hadavrayo, Upachvasasa, those are all different names of officials. And we've all come together, Lakaimikiyo Malka, to make a uh, 
to make some sort of strengthening of the king's law, and to strengthen all of his uh, activity, all of his prohibitions. And this is the king, is a brand new king, right? This is, this is he just took over Belshazzar. They're saying in the, in the first year of your kingdom, King Dagavesh, we want to put, you know, put a law in place that's going to make you recognized as, as the king, as you deserve to be, with all the power that you deserve to have. He's prohibited, they want to strengthen. Exactly, exactly. Huh? Of, of Megillah's sister. Why is that? Uh, because I think Haman Arasha asked the king uh, that everybody should bow before him, and there was okay. Okay, that's good. All right, that's true. Yeah, it does. That is. That was that was uh, lower. That was that was a lower ranking official, not the king himself. But you're right. right. Yeah, this is that's definitely similarity. But the request was made of the king. Right. That's, that's true. That's what they're doing here. Right. Okay. Uh, so they wanted to basically. They're, they t- they're telling the king that the purpose for this takana, the purpose of this gazera, would be to make the king stronger, which was actually true. They were trying to give the king a little extra strength as he began his his kingdom. What was the what was the uh, decree? That anybody who davens, anybody who has any request to make from any god or person, for up until thirty days. Who makes anybody who makes a request to anybody else besides you, the king? So any davening, any prayer, any entreaty, any request—they all need to be directed to you, the king. And if for thirty days, and anybody who doesn't do it, where does he go? Yisrame legav arivasa shall be thrown into the lion's den. So yeah, here it comes. Anyone who davens to anyone other anyone than the other king. than the king. The word what does that mean? Which one? Enosh. Enosh is a person. Uh, we, we, we call, among the very early generations, there was one named Enosh. Yeah. Is it the same spelling? Same spelling. He had an extra vav in there, but yeah. It's like the word Adam. Adam means man. Enosh also meant that man. That was from Noah's generation. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but they wouldn't have named him man. It would have to be, it'd be something more significant than that. There's the threat in the front. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm asking, can you tell me anything more about I don't, the I don't, There are. There's definitely Torah written about it, but I don't, I don't know enough answers. Yeah. Potentially. I remember. There's Fredman and Freedman. There's two of them, so they win. Uh, two Freedmans. Freedmen, you mean they're, they're no longer married? No. Silverman. Across from the table, one sit next to you. You're surrounded by Freedmen. <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> Let me introduce myself. <laughs> I, I only spent two weeks in jail, uh, but okay. Actually, 16 days, but they don't count weekends. Okay. Zinex, a high class lawyer. I know. I know. All right. He was going to help me find a job as a dandy dancer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's keep going. Um, fine. So they want to. They want to. They are suggesting this decree to the king that all requests should be should pass through the king and not through any god or any other person. Pasuk test, page sixty-four. Ka'an Malka to came Asara. So now, king, approve of this uh, decree, v'sirshum kisava, and have it down in writing, inscribe it in writing, diloy lahashnoya, now think about the perm story as you hear these next words, diloy lahashnoya kidos modai uporas diloy seeda, 
if it's in writing, then it cannot be revoked, it can't be changed once the king uh, issues a decree. So this seems to be, this is a theme that carries through all the way till, till the Purim story, which really wasn't that much further down the line. But this was the, the minog, this was the custom, this was the rule in Parasumodai, that if a king issues a decree, Okay. Then you can't revoke the decree. So remember, Achashverosh issued the decree that all the Jews were to be killed. And when Mordechai and Esther succeeded in exposing Ammon and having him killed, Achashverosh could not just rescind the decree and take it back. He had to issue another decree that the Jews were able to defend, them defend themselves. But the, the decree to murder the Jews was, was never, still was never rescinded. Right, because he couldn't, because that was the rules it's, in Parasumadai. Different perspective. Uh, yeah. Can you speak a little more loudly? Or? What? Can you please speak the louder? Yeah. The decree was never rescinded to, to kill the Jews. Right. So think about that area today and how Jewish involvement is. The decree. Okay. Okay. So. Allowed to defend themselves. The Jews can. Yeah. So uh, that decree was never rescinded. Uh, exactly. Also, so basically, so they they have the king write down, put down in writing that uh, th- this rule that for the next thirty days, no one could ask any requests except for from the king himself. Prosecuted. Called Kovel As a result of this, because of this, Malka Daryavesh, the king Daryavesh, Risham Kisava Besara, he signed and he inscribed this decree, which was going to be of great. Pro- was going to be a great problem for Daniel, right? It was going to be a great problem potentially for all the Jews, but Daniel was particularly in the spotlight, right? He was one of the head, the leading advisors, if not the leading advisor of the king. And now there's a decree that there's no tefillah, basically, or nalamadavin for 30 days. Any prayer, any request needs to go through the king and not through a god. Request is, not, is a subset of prayer. So, uh, they're not synonymous. Very good. Okay. We'll see there's actually going to be a little bit of a give and take exactly about that point. Okay. Very good. What did you say? He said the the particular point of the decree was that it's only requests need to go through the king. Prayer is not necessarily a request. There's also thanking Hashem. There's recognizing Hashem. And Daniel's going to argue that after he gets caught. Or even, well, he's not going to argue it, but he's going to mention that that's, he never really went against the decree because that's not, he wasn't making any requests. He was, just be, he was just recognizing Hashem. He was giving thanks to Hashem. But it's not going to save him. Okay. Pasuk Yud Aleph, verse 11. Now this is fascinating. Daniel Kidi Yida. When Daniel understood this, when he became aware of this takana, this gezerah, this decree, the Rishim Kisava, the Rishim Kisava, the decree was issued. Alavese, he went to his house. So apparently he had been davening where? In Shul. In Shul, right? In Shul, he had been davening in Shul. So no more davening in Shul for Daniel. He went to his house. He went to daven by the Kaisel. The castle of his bedroom, right? Not exactly. Uh, well, when he looked out, he could see it. Right, exactly. Well, right, he could see the real castle. Right. <laughs> the Chavin. It's interesting the way they phrase it in his upper chamber. Yeah. Well, he didn't want to go low because then people could see through the windows. There's also there's something else that's inferred by the upper chamber. What's that? 
You mean like not a physical upper chamber? Right. He, uh, he had a room that faced Jerusalem. Exactly. He's, he davened three times a day. He went to his knees. Exactly. Yeah. lay and the windows of his upper story were pointed negative Yushalayim, facing Yushalayim. The Gemara actually extrapolates a few halachas from this from the story about how to daven, you should daven particularly in a room with windows, facing the windows if you can, we don't really have that option here, but in a, if you have that opportunity you should because, you know, the uh, first of all you could see the sky, the sky could be, arouse a person to think about the greatness of Hashem and how ex- how wide and expansive his world is, and the extra light can make a person a little bit more, uh, you know, settled, I guess that's now that we have electricity that's not as relevant to the reason, and I think another reason is... What's the third? Is there a third reason I think? Why it should be in front of windows? So that he could face Jerusalem. He could see Jerusalem from there. Since he knew that the, of this decree, I mean, and I, and I don't know how the people saw him or heard what he was doing, but, but, but um, why didn't he pull down the window shade? Okay, good question. Maybe there weren't window shades. So Davin a little bit over A little further way. away. Why did he Davin at all? Uh, he's got a Davin where you can see. Well, I mean, that's Steve is saying that's a that's a detail. I mean, he has to. He wants to Davin. He has a different detail. Yeah, but he wants to face. Okay, but he doesn't doesn't want to die. But hold on for hold on for a second. What? There's a all the footnotes here. There's a decree that's that's been made. There's no, you have no give to jeopardize your life. Right. For this. For this. This is not one of the three cards. Right. Okay, that's a more basic question. But, 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 You're saying just close get. the window. Right. Yeah. Scott's saying there's three mitzvah, there's three others in the Torah that a person has to give up their life to avoid transgressing. And they are adultery, idolatry, and no, no, adultery, and murder. Murder, 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 adultery, and idolatry. Those are the big three, the cardinal sins. Yeah, not our kind of cardinal. You know, not like the St. Louis cardinal sins. The cardinal sins. Yeah, they got different ones. Right. They sinned when they left the football cardinals. <laughs> the football cardinals. That was a cardinal sin. Yeah, very good. That was good. That's a so there are three, and then there's one more. Well, one more category, and that is called Shas Hashmad. Right, right. At a time, at a time is where I don't think so, because at a time where the king is interested in in uh, you know making the Jewish people convert and go through all those those tsaris and all those things, so then even the smallest of customs require us to give up our life for. The Gemara says even if they have a custom to have black shoelaces, and they decree that everyone has black shoelaces, and you have white shoelaces. And the purpose of the decree is for shmad purposes to get us to go away from Judaism. Right. You're not allowed to even change the color of your shoelaces. But this is not the case here. Daryavish was doing this for his own personal kingdom. He wanted to strengthen his kingdom. That's the way it was presented him by these 122 officials, right? The 120 regular officials and the two higher ones minus Daniel. They are trying to strengthen his kingdom. So he's not doing it because he has a, a personal agenda against the Jews. He has nothing against Hashem or, or God. This is any God. He's saying everyone needs to come through me so that I, my kingdom can be strengthened. So it's not a Shas Hashmad. So there's a huge question here. Why is Daniel doing doing this mitzvah of davening, which according to some opinions is only a mitzvah to Rabbanon anyways. It's not even a mitzvah to Raisa. Why is he doing this mitzvah if it's going to jeopardize his life? He's putting his life in danger to do a mitzvah, which is not one of the cardinal sins. It's not a cardinal sin to not daven. Right? 
So why is Daniel insistent upon continuing to daven, which is going to actually, they're going to catch him, and they're going to throw him into the lion's den, and the whole thing could have been avoided if he just didn't give up his, risk his life. What did you say was a mitzvah rabbanan? Tzfilah, according to some opinions, is only a mitzvah rabbanan. The Rambam says it's a mitzvah raisa to daven once a day. Even according to the Rambam, the concept of three davenings a day is the rabbanan. So he was for sure going beyond the letter of the law here. Why is he doing that if his life, if it's going to mean that he's risking his life? And his supporters, his people, saw him, watched him. Well, right, they're going to get, exactly. Three times a day, yeah. yeah it didn't, he, he, he totally, it, it flopped. I mean, he, he was going to get caught. So why, why is he putting his life in danger? So some of the commentators say that he actually didn't understand, he miscalculated. He didn't realize the severity of this decree. I wonder if it's because he was excluded from the group of people who presented it to the king. So you have these 122 you know, ministers or, or officials who create this decree. Daniel knew nothing about it. So he hears, oh, you need to have all your entreaties you know, passed to the king. Daniel didn't think that it was like they'd be all be watching him. He didn't realize they were out to get him. He thought, whatever, I'm a high-ranking official. And yeah, maybe I shouldn't do this, but it's not a big, a big deal. If I, I'm not going to get caught. Uh, it's not going to affect me. So he made a miscalculation. <laughs> Some of the commentators say he didn't recognize how severe the decree was. So he's on. Some label. Boxing. So he's on the level of the Given the level, the spiritual level that I was on, maybe he figured. It's worth it. It's worth it. I mean, these are halachos. These are halachos about how a person should act in a place where, when, when their life is in danger. It's not about I'm better. Or I'm better than that, so I could risk my life. The Torah says the chayva. You have to live by the mitzvah. You can't risk your life. This is whole life. Yeah, that's true. But now his life could be in danger. So some opinions actually hold that if a person wants, even for a lower level mitzvah, he is able to risk his life if he so desires to give up his life for kiddush Hashem for a mitzvah that he's passionate about. He's allowed to. And they bring Daniel as a support from this story. And you see that a person who's, uh, who wants to could be Moser Nefesh for a mitzvah. That's not one of the, the big three. Risk their lives for lower. In regard to saving the Jewish people. For sure. Well, saving the Jewish people <laughs> might be a higher level. Okay, but that's not one of the. That's not one of the big three. But that might be even. That might be even bigger. Saving another yid or saving the or a lot of Jews. Saving one soul is like saving the whole world. Right. No, but is, that what, is that any person or just a Jewish person? No, I'm asking. You know. I think a Jewish person. Okay. Yeah. Let's just count, yeah. yeah. A Jewish person. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, or maybe those cases were at times of Shmad, when the intent of the decree was to get the Jewish people to convert. So then Jews would go to great levels, to great, to, you know, to the farthest degree to avoid transgressing. Okay. Just so, can I quickly tell you an aside to this whole thing? We were touring Israel with a rabbi, a great guy like you, from Indianapolis. And we went to Yerushalayim and he was... Went to Yerushalayim and we stayed in a high-rise hotel, like on the 14th floor, So the first few days, it was like here, he went to all the little stairs in the morning, it was so, like five o'clock, so I went with him one day. That's not for me. So the next morning, I thought I'd have him in my room. 
So I opened the drapes, looking out, and wow. in front of me was a courtyard. Wow. On a balcony. Uh, so I stood on the balcony. Did you see over the courtyard? No. You didn't see into, the into it. We Maybe a bit you saw. Wow. But uh, it was the most amazing experience. Wow. Yeah. Suddenly. Right. Wow, that's very special. Yeah. yeah. That's very special. Okay. It wasn't King David. It was a change of name recently. I'm not sure. It wasn't a Dan either. <laughs> it was one of his commercial uh, individuals praying by himself. Do you use five initials? Yeah. Yeah, sure. The individual playing at home? Yeah. Okay. You know, we learned that just a day or two ago. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Another thing that's interesting here is Daniel never asked to be exempt from the decree. He didn't go he, that he, route. He didn't, he didn't know. He didn't know that they were having the meeting, did he? Right. He did not. But now so that he sees the decree, he could. He was the top official. He could go to the king and ask for, you know, can I be exempt because I have my own special. If the, king, if the king favored him and he knew who Daniel was, how come he didn't put it in in the first place? Well, he, he was. There was pressure. He wasn't thinking, and he assumed Daniel was there. He didn't not. You know, he didn't not see him. They got him at a good time or at a bad time. There's 120 people or so there. Yeah. They, it was, and, you're, and, and your and your favorite advisor's not there. Okay, that's, but. He, that send, doesn't that send a flag off? Yeah, it should, but okay. he, well, he they pressured him. From him. Huh? Maybe I should be kidding. No, I, I mean it could be, but I think what we're told is that they did it. They did it wisely. Yeah. They they got him at a good time. They put pressure on him. He didn't have time to scan the room. Or he he was feeling the uh, you know the 122 people staring at him. I mean, just like the midstream. Let us deal with them wisely. Something like that. Yeah. So, but another interesting thing here is that, so Daniel didn't request to be exempt from the decree, even though he probably could have gotten away with it, because this was in the honor of the king, and he was a high-ranking official, he didn't want to make it look like he was not honoring the king properly. So he figured, it's only for 30 days, I'll be able to hide, I'll be able to dive in and in private. everybody's face anyway. Right, well, he used to go to show, so that was publicly. Now he said, so for 30 days, I'll, I'll be private about it, I won't go to show, I'll dive in, in, in my in my house. He didn't think it was such a big deal. And another interesting thing is when did the concept of th dominating three times a day begin? Who, who introduced that concept? I mean, we, it comes from the other. But that's what based on the places that you the places of Carbonos, so to speak, and it was now checking Ezra. Right, which, uh, and Ezra, I think uh, of their opinions that Ezra was the person who was massacred, so that didn't exist yet. This is before that time. It is, so, so. What? So. Yeah. Had, not, had already been instituted. Yeah. Okay. So was, oh, it was instituted already. But somebody says, um, <clears throat> Rambam implies that Ezra's rabbinic court mandated the number of prayers to be said daily. According to this, so there's a machlokas. According to some, who was the first opinion? Um, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. So some say that it was already the, the takon was already in place. Daven three times a day. So that's why Daniel was doing it. Maybe it wasn't a chiyuv at that point. Okay. Others say it was like Daniel's own thing. He had come in on his own. 
Okay, fine. Next, let's keep going. Pasuk Yud Beis, 12. Let's, let's, uh, let's see if we can go a little quickly here so we can get through this whole parrot, because this is a great story. Okay, Ediyan. These men, the officers, they assembled. They catch Daniel in the act, davening. and and requesting from his God for thirty days. What do you mean? There's no prohibition to do it for once, twice. No, no, any time in the next 30 days. Oh, only this Yeah, yeah. So they caught him. Caught him in the act. So listen to this. But they needed to prove it to the king. Why only 30 days? Well, I guess they didn't want to do it for too long because then it would be harder for it to, to last. What's the logic? How could they justify making such a request? Say, well, they were trying to strengthen the king. Only for 30 days. That's the, like an initiation. Like the, as you begin your kingdom, let's, in, let's, in, let's make it that I everyone mean, talks you. want to make him strong. They should do it forever? Forever. I don't think they were ready to, to nullify the whole concept of, of Ozara and gods. Okay. Thank you. You're all done, but the strength of the kings, so if everybody's praying to you, right? Okay, Pasuk Yud Gimel. Be'dayin. Then, Kariv of Amr Kadam Malka. They came in front of the king. Al Esar Malka, regarding the king's decree. So they didn't tell him yet they caught Daniel. They wanted to just make sure. Is he going to change? Is he is, Was he serious when he put that decree in place? Haloi Esar Rashamtod. Didn't you uh, make a decree? Tichol Enash Tiyivei Min Kol Eloi Kavi Eloi I think Eloi Elo The Enash. Any person who makes a request from a god or a king a German closet for 30 days to any king or to person or god besides you should be thrown into lines then the mouth of a lion exactly and the king responded and he said you're correct that's true like the rulings of Persia and Nidia I'm not gonna it should never change yeah not gonna be rescinded so the king concurs he agrees yes I put that decree in place and now comes the big reveal so then they said Call the Malk in front of the king. The Daniel, that they caught Daniel, the Menegalusa di Yehud, Daniel the Jew, who comes from the exile of the Jewish people. My son, Allah, Malka to aim. He did not pay attention to the king. And on the decree that you issued, he ignored it. Three times a day, he, he davens, he prays to a different god, to Hashem. It sounds like the king was as upset as he was. He was not, he wasn't convinced. He wasn't convinced yet. He had to see with his own eyes. Look at this. I think that's what it is. Let's see. Tezvav. 15. Then Malka Kedi Milsa Shema. When the king heard this piece of news, Sagi Be'eshaloyi, a sadness befell upon him. He loved Daniel. He really liked him. He was his favorite uh, official. Val Daniel some Baal Zavuse. He decided he's going to try to save Daniel. Which is amazing, right? The king had such an interest, had such a care for Daniel that he wanted to really go against the other 122 officials to think of a way to save him. Until sundown, he was trying to save him. What happened at sundown? I think the commentators say, Right, everyone's saying, no, can we save him? Can we 
save him, comes a time of Mincha Daniel in front of everyone, gets down on his knees and starts dominating again. Oh, is that in front of everybody? In front, once he's, yeah. So now the king saw also, everyone sees, Daniel's dominating Mincha. So some say, you see clearly here, Daniel was ready to risk his life. He, he, we go like the opinion that if you choose to risk your life for a, even a lower level mitzvah, one is enabled, entitled to. Can King bargain? Daniel. Yeah. He didn't want, I mean, originally at least, he didn't want king, to. Now it sounds king, like it's too late. That statue of the king, he can pardon or he can give Misa to the Oh, the good pardon, you said. Yeah. Oh, there's a bargain. No, pardon. I, I, it sounds like he can't. That's This is the rules of Persia and media. Fine, but he's a king. Why this is the rules. I'm sorry. Issues are in the decree that what? The Daniel can fight? just passed uh, excludes my viziers, the three top people. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it works like that. When when Achashverosh said that all the Jews are going to be killed on the 13th of Adar, he couldn't say all the Jews excludes. I mean, almost all the Jews. I don't, he, what he did was he said the Jews can fight back, which keeps the first decree intact and just adds another element to it. So I don't know. Was yeah, there? We're talking about one person. He so, can pardon. I mean, king. Uh, it's it could be the king was aware that, that would look to it would look very weak. It would look strong. That he's saying it not yeah. this one. Whatever I say uh, stance. Uh, the king may have been aware at this point that he had been trapped or he had been tricked anyway. Right, I guess. But he's saying Well, I'm not sure if he knew that. But he's still dominating in front of the king. Yeah. See. Yeah. But I am so not sure if he knew that. He was dominating in front of the king. I don't know if he knew that this was targeted at Daniel. I'm not sure. It could be. It could be he recognized that. But I think if you look at some of the commentators point out what Steve was saying before, that the king actually was the one who advanced the argument that the decree did not cover prayer of Daniel's kind, since his prayer was of a general nature and cannot be considered making a request. So like you were saying before, that's the Malvin says that. Very good, Steve. So, okay. <coughs> All right, where are we up to? Um, 16. 16. Then, Guvraya Ilech. The uh, the men assembled around the king. They gathered around. They said to him, Da Malka, Didos Paras. You know, king, that this is the rule in Persia and media. And Madai Paras, Tichol Esar Ukiyon. They're really. Are you late? This is plus against talking to you. Yeah, they're, they're talking to you. They're addressing your concern. Don't think, King, that you can now get out of this by making another decree. And as King would say, you're talking to him like that? Could be. I mean, these are all of his officials. Every single one of them. He all wasn't a cruel king. It's this, not, he this, wasn't cruel. This, this, is, this, this, this gets good. This just gets good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you know the dust of Mother Paras, the rule in Mother Paras is you cannot change the rule that you uh, that you can that you uh, issue. The king said, Daniel," and they brought Daniel to him. They threw Daniel into the lion's den. Listen to this. Following the footsteps of the other kings before him, Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar came to recognize the superiority, the supremacy of the God of Hashem, of the Jewish people. He says to him, 
your God. That you dive into all the time, these three times a day that I caught you. He will save you. So the Gemara, first of all, takes out one thing from here that this is a famous rule. Don't let the commoner's bracha. Don't take it lightly. Even if a Pasha Tayyid, a Pasha Tayyid gives you a bracha, you should treat that with Hashivas, you should treat that with respect. Here we have a king, he's not even a Jew. Yeah. This is a Jewish, a non Jewish king. The guy. Yeah. Don't take a If a person gives you a blessing, you accept it, you say thank you, it's a real deal because apparently the king's bracha had an effect. Yeah, you say Amen. Yes. And not only that, you see a little bit of confidence here, which is incredible. The confidence of the Gaisha king. Yeah, the Gaisha king is saying, I'm confident that your God is going to come through here and save you from these lies. He's saying, may your... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, I think we're going to... Let's get one more pause again, then we're going to have to... We're going to have to... No, you need to finish. I know, but I don't know if we're going to be able to. We're going to have to... we got to keep the, the people coming. Yeah. Hang on. Let, end off on a good note. Pasuk Yurches, Vehesos Even Chado, they brought a stone. It's interesting. Chazal say, this is fascinating actually. If you're familiar with the Torah, yeah, there's a story at the beginning of the Torah, the story of the, the Tower of Bavel. The Tower of Bavel, it says, they took bricks and they formed stones. They formed large stones out of these bricks. They were not big stones found in Bavel. And because of that, that actually still continued till this day. There were no big stones available in all of Babel. So they had to bring, a stone was brought. Some of the Farshim say that actually Malachim brought it from Eretz Yisrael. This is not a stone that was, there was not a, a large stone found in Babel. So the Malachim needed to bring angels, actually transported this stone to Babel for this purpose so that uh, it would be available to put on top of... What kind of angels? Tanzei. Uh, is that why it's written in the past, the boy? Very good, yes. Yes. Okay, so... Um, That's the Chai. Chai. Posse Chai. Exactly. <laughs> and so they put a, they put this rock. They put it over the opening of the pit. Listen to this. And the king sealed it with his signet ring. And the signet ring of all of his officials, right? Neither trusted each other. The officials didn't trust the king. They knew he loved Daniel. They suspected him of, of going in there and pulling Daniel out. And the king didn't trust the officials that if he would get saved by Hashem, he was concerned that the official would come and kill him with their own hands, with their own bare hands. Right? You see a fascinating thing here that Bechira, that free choice, can can uh, can transcend the uh, the right what Hashem wants. If Hashem wants the lions to not eat Daniel, then all these officials still have the choice, the free will to kill him and Daniel would not have the protection from those Baal Bechiras from those people with free will so they both put the, the signet ring they both signed the uh, the cover of the lion's den so that neither side would be able to tamper with uh, with this punishment <laughs> so that they will not so that his uh, decree about Daniel would not change and we will find out oh, yeah go ahead you said the human beings can trans Send the will of Hashem. Bale Bechira, yeah. People with free will, uh, Hashem's Hashem's <laughs> decrees only go to a certain point. We find with Yosef and his brothers. 
that when they threw him into the this is a famous when they threw him into the pit so the, the fact that Yosef received protection from the animals that were in there the Nechashim and the Akram the snakes and the scorpions are in there that right that shows a certain level of protection but at the end of the day had the brothers decided to kill him then the fact that Hashem wanted Yosef alive would not have stopped the brothers from having the free choice to kill him that their, that's their free choice do you, do you mean to say that Hashem uh, will set aside uh, his plan? His plan? Yes. But that would suggest that he uh, is mutable. And we learned that he is unchangeable. This question, Steve, bothered has bothered almost every great rabbi for generations. So it's, it's a little beyond the scope of this class. But yeah, this is the concept of Yudia versus Bechira, what Hashem knows versus what people can choose. How does God's knowledge of what's going to happen, how is that affected by the fact that people have the ability to choose? Well, He knows what's going to happen. Right, but but that means He's predetermined. That means we can't choose anymore. Which means and if He enables us to choose, that means He doesn't have the power to decide what's going to be or to know what's going to be. We see these options only as a result of our limited intellect. But for someone who, but uh, if is an all-powerful being who's not bounded by time and time and space, he has no limitations, and therefore the Chira has to be operating only within time and space, which means limited. So it's beyond our ability to understand. Potentially, right. Yeah. So, so, so what's the argument? So we, we also 